0: Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla, the mama bird here at Little Bird Marketing. And today I am so happy to be highlighting amazing things that are happening in this industry that bring people together.
1: Welcome to the MRX Mavericks series. Your host, call sign Mama Bird, is on a mission to keep you out of the danger zone by introducing you to the Tom Cruise's, the top guns, the Mavericks of the market research world. They're not flying F-14 Tomcats, no, 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 no. They're navigating the complex airways of data, consumer behavior, and market trends. And they do it with style. They don't follow the flight plan, they make it. This miniseries will be a little like a sweet 80's serenade. It might just take your breath away. But don't worry, we'll keep the oxygen mask ready. (laughs) Now, if you're feeling the need, the need for speed and deep insights and razor-sharp analysis, strap into your ejection scene and get ready for some high-octane interviews. Our guests are flying in fast and ready to drop some knowledge bombs. Now there's plenty of humor, fun, and of course, plenty of Top Gun puns, so buckle up and keep your aviators on. We're about to go supersonic. Woo! (laughs) This is MRX Mavericks, where we're always in a flat spin of exciting developments and never too far from a volleyball scene. Enjoy the episode and remember, you can be our wingman anytime. Let's roll.
0: With me is one of my gal pals, one of my besties. I also sing when Lisa Wilding Brown comes on this podcast, so it's only appropriate that I do when I have with me the illustrious Kristen Luck. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I like to (laughs) sing every time I talk to Lisa as well. (laughs)
0: who doesn't? We kind of like do some gestures. We do a little bit of the bus stop maybe or something. I don't know. It's good
2: people.
0: Yes. We like to act like kids a little bit together. It's fun. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But some people don't know everything that you do in this industry. And also people don't realize how lucky I am that you are the first person I met in this industry. So if you want to say, why is Priscilla so successful? Well, that's who she met first. (laughs)
2: So <laughs> it's kind of crazy that I was the first person that you met. I mean, I remember when we met, but it just, it, yeah, it's funny. It seems like yesterday in some ways, and then hmm. it seems like it's been years and years and years, so.
0: Oh my gosh, isn't that the truth? But <laughs> we are going to talk today about your passion project. Before we do, I don't know if anybody in this industry does not know who you are, but basically Kristen Luck is such an incredibly experienced serial marketing measurement technology entrepreneur. She is an amazing consultant and advisor in the insights industry. She more than anything is known for non-traditional growth strategies, but she really knows how to take data-driven marketing technology firms and really explode them, bring them to amazing events like actual acquisition events and the like. But she has been involved in so many Different mergers and acquisitions in the space. She is the founder and managing partner of Scalehouse, which is an amazing consultancy. She is going to tell you a little bit more about some of the banking and the consulting she does about that. She's also the founder and managing partner of a new venture called Grow Getter. But we're here today to talk with her about her passion project, Women in Research. So before we jump into women in research and what it is, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a day-to-day of what you do in your job? job.
2: <laughs> yeah. The day-to-day can really vary. That's for sure. I mean, I think to your point, I've had a pretty varied career so far. I started out in the full service research space back in the late nineties and then got super interested in resource technology and sort of evolved into that space and then had a couple successful exits with marketing tech firms. And then after that started doing strategy consulting, because I think one of the things that I learned early on, it's like I do best at the things that I'm really interested in. And so when I exited Decipher, which was my last company at the end of 2014, I really had to decide, like, well, what was I going to do next? And it really wasn't the starting of companies I love so much. It was really the scaling and like all the problems, as you know, that come with growing a company. It's hard work. And so, as a natural extension of that growth strategy business, then I started Scale House. As you referenced earlier, I went and got my investment banking license maybe four or five years, four years ago now. Very tough. One out of 10 do not recommend those tests. (laughs) And so my day-to-day can be pretty varied. It can be everything from writing marketing strategy to looking at company valuations to writing pitch decks for funding. I mean, it's all over the place, but it's all fortunately things that I really enjoy doing and I feel like I'm good at doing.
0: Well, you're so sought after in this industry and it really comes from just major experience. And also you have been involved in so many different sales of companies. And there is so much acquisition going on in the industry right now. Before we jump in, can you give everybody a little bit of a state of the union of where the insights industry is, what you're thinking and what you're seeing?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's tremendous interest in this space now. I think you and I were talking about this a year or so ago, but this the same like data is the new oil. Like everybody's interested in this space. You can look at some of that kind of outsized valuations that companies like Paltrick's gotten in recent years. And of course, there's an incredible amount of of interest in this sector. I think right now, because a lot of firms had kind of a tough Q1 and are kind of looking to see how much variance there's going to be in Q2 and Q3, that there are some companies that are sort of holding back from selling or don't want to go into an MA event right now. But on the other hand, you've got just tremendous interest in this category. So you have a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers right now. And so it'll it'll be sort of interesting to see how things play out as the year evolves, but I will say valuations are still really strong and there's a lot of interest in this sector. And, yeah, I'm excited to be working on a few deals right now that are going to close in the coming months. I think we're in another roller coaster of a year where some firms are doing really well and some are down and we're just kind of waiting for things to play out. It's a more confusing time, I think, than other times where we've had downturns because Generally, like the indicators that tell you whether or not we're in a recession or there's some economic volatility, those are not consistent, I guess, the place and time that we are right now. So, for instance, typically if you see big companies laying off people, corporate profits wouldn't be at an all time high.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> that's some people not- being a little sneaky, saying, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to take advantage of this situation and we'll go ahead and do a round of layoffs that we probably don't have to do, but we want to do and go ahead and score a little bit more profit.
2: Right. Exactly. Or you've got an inflation and a rising interest rates, but yet unemployment's at an all time. So like I said, it's a confusing time, I think not just for business owners, but for everyone working in this sector. And I think we're kind of in a wait-and-see period. But again, I think the biggest takeaway that I would have for companies is like, just be diversified in your client base. That helps even add a lot of lumpiness and make sure you don't have a high customer concentration. If you've got half your revenue with one big client and that client takes a downturn, what happens
0: then. So, well, you do so much for everybody in this industry and are always so just really easily forthcoming with this kind of advice much, but I've also been the beneficiary of it for two years in a row, being a part of your paid consortium, you and Jamin Brazil put together really a handholding really for how to prep and really how to go deep on all the things in business that we really need to be working on our business and not necessarily in it. So it's really cool to see how many different things you have going in the industry from Oberon Strategies where you're doing that investment banking piece to Scale House, really constantly giving people advice on growth hacking and then Wire. So let's jump into this. Women in Research, big heart, big love. You have an amazing team there, but tell everybody a little bit about the origin story, how it came about and why you started this passion project.
2: Yeah. It started actually in 2007. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I got connected with a woman who had come on board in a really senior position at MarketCast, which is big at that time was primarily an entertainment research firm. It's a lot more diversified now, but we got connected and she said, oh, you know, you're the first woman I've met in a senior level position in this industry. I just am not meeting other women in executive positions. And I said, oh, that's kind of crazy. Never really thought about that. And I said, I'm just going to, let's have a cocktail hour one night and I'll just invite every woman basically that I know in the industry in LA. And so I think at the, our first get together, we had about 45 women there and we had such a great time that we decided we were going to do it. First started out every month. And then as it got larger and larger and larger until we were getting like over, well over hundred women at each event, then we kind of scaled back to quarterly. Then there was this really lovely woman, Cassandra Rowe, who I think is at Pinterest now, who moved to New York. And so she wanted to start running wire events in New York. And so we started running them there. And then she went to London and we started running them there. And then she moved to San Francisco and we started running them there. <laughs> and so Cassandra was actually responsible for, I think, a lot of the growth that we saw in the
0: organization in the early days. So she's like patient zero, too. Like patient, <laughs> she's yeah. the Ebola monkey of women in research. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think
2: we didn't really start growing until, gosh, probably like, 2011, 2013, somewhere in there, we I actually got our 501c3. So we're a certified nonprofit. And I started letting go of a lot of things. And I think one of the most powerful pieces of advice that I've gotten over the course of my career is like to let go to grow. I'm a consummate type A control freak. I like everything done a certain way. And I really had to take a step back and say, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. Yeah. Not everyone's going to do everything the exact way that I do it, but does it mean that there's anything wrong with it?
0: Right. But you have a great team. I mean, Jessica Sage, Michelle Andre, just really, it's such an amazing attention to detail. So let's talk specifically about what it is because there's a lot of different ways to get involved. And I want to kind of, dispel any myths that people think that you have to pay to get in or anything like this. So I'm big on sharing on my podcast all the time. Oh, wait, it's free. What are you doing? If you're not a member, I just can't, I mean, conceive of what you are doing if you are not a women in research member. So start with the basic membership that's free. And then let's talk a little bit about some of the programs and cool opportunities there are in mentorship and sponsorship.
2: For sure. Yeah. I think our mission, our ethos has evolved over the years. Of course, it started out just as a networking event, like cocktail hour, but now it's really about how do we help women build their professional careers? How do we make sure that women are well-represented in the C-suite and understand like the path of entrepreneurism? What are the skill sets that you need to move into the C-suite and how are we creating more of a pipeline for women in this industry? Because my friend Elaine's point back in 2007 Although market research is dominated by women as a percentage, we're in sparse supply in the C suite. Like there's less than, I think it's maybe 10% of companies now still are run by women of the Honda Michael 50. So it's not an easy path to get there. And I think the more opportunities we can create for women to network and to learn from each other, and not just women, we've got men involved in our programming and in I think a lot of people are surprised to learn that we have so many men that serve as mentors and you can go into more detail about some of the programs that we run, but they're at our events. We just had the wire event at IEX in Austin where I saw you and Adam was running check-in for us, which is way below his pay grade, but I which I appreciate <laughs> doing Adam.
0: But um, it's always great to have Adam Jolly at the front and just like what's up and finger guns. And it's just automatically so fun. And you know that the whole event's gonna be a good time.
2: Yeah, he's got good juju, but yes, I'll invite men to our events and they'll say like, well, it's for women. And it's like, well, you can't really talk about diversity in an all-female bubble. Like it doesn't really work. So it's great. Obviously, of course, we have the majority of the folks in our community are female. However, we really need men if we're going to move forward because they're the ones that many times are holding the keys to that C-suite.
0: Well, and also we need to make sure that they understand that we throw better parties than they do. That, yeah, that's a good this point. This is, this is key. <laughs> okay. So it's free to join. Literally it's they go to, to women. Yeah. In- and we're not a
2: membership organization because of that. We really think of ourselves as more of a community. We are a certified nonprofit, but we don't charge a membership fee to get in. And one of the reasons that we don't is because we didn't want anything monetarily to be a barrier for women to access our programming. So we rely entirely on corporate donors to support our programming. And we've had some great Corporate and continue you know, great corporate donors that support us, including LinkedIn and uh, Dynata, Verizon. We've been partnering, you know, Meta's partnered with us for years on our programming. And so we're really, really fortunate that we've got some street cred now and that our programs really, really deliver and that we are seeing a change in terms of the leadership mix within this
0: industry. That is so huge. So tell me a little bit about the trends you think that the organization has been involved with pushing and making a reality. I know we've talked a lot over the years about parody on stage and getting people to really buy in on making sure that they're asking women and really doing what they can to get women represented. And you and I have been on the other side of it also where we've been putting events on and we are trying to get women and even women of color on stage and we get turned down. And so it is a very difficult thing. And seem to be able to have these really difficult conversations with the industry and not take one side or the other. So tell me about what you think Women in Research has been able to advance on those kinds of initiatives.
2: Yeah, well, I would give a shout out to Annie Pettit. I think Annie Pettit was really the first person in the industry that illuminated that there was a real disparity on stages. So you would go to an event and 80% of speakers would be male. There's two reasons why that imbalance exists. One is conference organizers not knowing who to ask or not knowing which women are available to speak. And the second problem is women not stepping up, not putting in speaking proposals or being asked to speak and not being available. And some of that is just an overwhelming amount of work on top of home and life responsibilities where women have to shoulder a lot of that caretaking burden in a lot of relationships. And part of it is women feeling like Maybe they don't have anything relevant to share on stage or that imposter syndrome is a real thing. It impacts all of us. And if we don't feel like we have anything to offer or there's a lot of pressure to get up on stage and talk, then women are more likely to say no than than men will because there's just a confidence gap there.
0: I so, love that. Yeah, it's so true. It's an issue that we deal with day to day, and I think women in research, as a community, does keep that conversation alive and just keep saying, "Hey, we're looking for it. We're still making progress. Like this isn't a one and done approach."
2: Yeah, I mean, we've got our fifty-fifty initiative, which is our database of female speakers that we regularly send out to conference organizers, and it's available on request. To you run a conference or an event in this industry, we're happy to share it with you. We've had our really tried to illuminate folks that are. Doing the hard work to really push more diverse voices on stage and into publications industry. So, we've got our Market Research Diversity Champion Award that we give out annually, and that's generally at the Insights Association Conference now. There's just a plethora of different programs and services that we offer in order to come out over the hump. I think one of the programs I'm most proud about, and a big shout out goes to Tiana Hanson Drury for conceiving of the idea, but is our Accelerate program. I think one of the Barriers for a lot of women to get into C-suite positions is not understanding that the skill set that you need as a researcher is really different than the skill set you need in order to be an executive. So I don't know about you, but I never went to business school. I went from being a researcher to all of a sudden I was a partner in a startup, and I had no idea how to read a P&L. I didn't know anything about business finance. I knew nothing. And so I think if there's one gift that I or other senior-level women in this industry can give to the women who are Coming up now behind us is how do we pave the path and make that smoother for them? And what are all the tips and tricks and life hacks that we've figured out to get where we are that we can impart on them? And what's the skill set that they really need to cultivate in order to get into those types of positions?
0: Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. <laughs> Hey, Priscilla McKinney here, Mama Bird and CEO at Little Bird Marketing. I'm so excited to announce, finally, my book is out, Collaboration is the New Competition, Why the Future of Work Rewards a Cross-Pollinating Hive Mind and How Not to Get Left Behind. So what's the book about? (laughs) The impetus was really about a gap that I saw in the business vernacular about how we need to work together to get ahead and have much bigger wins. I think it's super important right now because there is a growing need for collaboration in the business world. And I made this book super practical. In fact, the chapters tell you how many minutes it's going to take for you to get through them. I know you're busy, but these kinds of ideas are going to, I hope, permeate into your thought process and help you get ahead quicker. The first part of the book is about what is the state of affairs in business and why I believe collaboration is really needed. And it also goes on to explain these are the fundamentals that need to happen so you can have collaboration. So once you set yourself up for the win, then it's not always smooth sailing. And I finished the last half of the book giving you seven different anchors that you can use as a practical tool in order to make sure you stay on course. So in a time when business has never been more complicated, this book offers a fresh and in my opinion, much needed perspective. It moves away from that idea of linear success and instead brings people together to give you a competitive advantage. Visit PriscillaMcKinney.com for more information. I love that. And there was such a talk for a while about how market researchers, not just women, but sometimes that they're shy to sit at the C-suite table and say, look, we have a plate. We have something to say. We need our data to be heard. And you can't go do that and sit at a C-suite table unless you speak the language of business, not just the language of research.
2: Yeah, there was a, a really great keynote at the SMR Congress in Edinburgh, which was, I think, the year before the pandemic hit. But it was a guy named, I can't remember his last name now. His first name was Chris. But one of the things that he said on stage was like, when you present, you need to think like a CFO and present like a CMO. Mm -hmm. And that is super important for researchers to understand. I always tell people like one of the more disastrous presentations of my life was at 20th Century Fox when I had my first job, which was at Lieberman Research Worldwide in Los Angeles, which is now material and I remember I went in to give this presentation, of course, the first presentation, I've got like 800 data tables, this PowerPoint deck, and I started giving the presentation, I think there were 20 people or so in the room. And the most senior marketing guy literally got up five slides in, Priscilla, I may mean, have got like at least a 70 page deck. He laid down on the floor and he said, wake me up when the data is over. Oh and I, my I was like, well, I'm dead now. i have just died." <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh! I love I when you tell the these one. fail stories because it's just the human experience that's yeah. going on. But that really informs, like, everything to accelerate to even the mentorship programs and things like this because we need to hear these tales from true reality of market research.
2: 100. I think that if you go onto LinkedIn and you look at my profile, you would think that everything I touched was an instant success. That is so far from the truth. I have like a million stories and we had that fun consortium session, our last session that we had. When was it like two weeks ago where we (laughs) talked about our disaster stories or like mistakes we made. I mean, I've got a million of them, but you don't see that. All you see is the perfection. Like, oh, well, she sold this company and she did this. Nobody sees like the late nights, the failed relationships, how many times I cried, how many things I screwed up, how close I was to having to pull my company entirely. Like nobody sees all that. Right, I only right. see the outcome.
0: They also did not see what I can neither confirm nor deny was the fact that I presented my disasters in a puppet show format.
2: You did. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs>
0: But sometimes what you have to do in order to
2: be able to talk about things.
0: Right. Exactly. Just get the puppets out. (laughs) I love it.
2: Yeah, there's a reason. What about Bob?
0: Exactly. Exactly. It was cathartic. So we've got the 50-50 conference initiative. You have the MRX Diversity Champion Award, the Wire Accelerate program. Before we move on from Wire Accelerate, let's just talk about that because that program does currently cost $500 to go through it. It does. So,
2: and part of the reason that we put a price tag on it was because we wanted companies to buy seats to it. However, if you are a woman in the industry and you want to go through that program and you cannot afford the $500, all you have to do is send us an email within just a note that says like, hey, I can't afford $500 and you'll get free access to it.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. So let's talk about the The mentorship program, because I've got to tell you, I've had more people who were the mentors who talk with me about, oh my gosh, that was the best thing I ever did.
2: (laughs) I think the beautiful thing about the mentorship program is that if you're doing it right, the mentors get as much out of it as the mentees do. So we started a, a mentorship program. I launched that, gosh, I want to say I launched it in 2013 or 2014. And I very boldly at that time said, oh, I will personally match every single person that applies. I will find you a mentor. There were 65 people that applied the first year. So I had a one-to-one matched everyone. We've got more of a systemized approach to it now because we've got over 250 women that apply for the program every year. And we try to match every single one of them. So whether you work remotely and live in a small town like I do, or you live in a big city and you want to meet with a mentor face-to-face on a regular basis, like we try to accommodate everyone's preferences. And we try to make sure that we're matching our mentors with mentees that are looking for a specific skill set that that mentor has, or are particularly skilled at a particular juncture that a mentee might be at career-wise. And we also invite male mentors. So many of our mentors are Mail. I just had a text exchange the other day with Jeff Lowe, who's at InfoTools, and Jeff's a mentor for us. In New Zealand, as is Horst, who's also at InfoTools. And so
0: Okay, are- I gotta mention since you brought up Horst, I mean, he and I, I, I just him. can't hear his name without we had an interesting Spandau ballet sing along last time we were at SOR. So You've I has got an voice. Yeah, I just gotta give a little shout out to Horst on that. Yeah. <laughs> had so much fun. Horst <laughs>
2: yeah. I keep saying people's names, but not their last names as if everybody like Horst is like Madonna in this industry. So it's yes. like if you don't know Horst, then yeah, you're missing out on a lot of fun because he's great, but.
0: Yes, and it's Feldhauser, just if anybody yeah. wants to go look him up. <laughs> it's
2: really or good, but Feldhauser. definitely
0: you mentioned to him that you would like to sing along with him yeah. too. I know He'd this be much is true.
2: Keep game, yeah, he's big in the theater, yeah. I
0: oh, so. love it. Okay, so let's talk yeah. about the Global Scholarship Fund and yep. what is that doing and how does somebody get involved with that?
2: Yeah, so the Global Scholarship Fund is a fund that we run with SMR. So we work with the SMR Foundation to identify a woman in an area that's either an emerging market or a conflict market. So, we've sponsored women throughout Southeast Asia that were in I think a couple of women in Vietnam, one in Cambodia. We've sponsored women in Kenya, Guatemala. I'm trying to think all the different markets that we've been into. We try to sponsor a new market every time, but obviously we want to make sure we've got good university relationships there because oftentimes we're paying for education expenses and you know, it's important for us to have partners on the ground that can help facilitate the distribution of the funds that we raise, but we do a big fundraise every year. There's a, what is it? Giving Tuesday, I think is the name of it, where we yep. do a lot of fundraising for our, our scholarships. But again, our community really pulls together and we've been able to sponsor so many women over the years that have gone on now and are have successful careers and are active in the industry. And I think that's the one of the more rewarding outcomes that you can have as a nonprofit.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about office hours, how that actually works and what kinds of things get talked about.
2: Yeah. So office hours is something that we set up as an additional mentoring channel. So even if you have a one-to-one mentor, it could be, they might not have an answer for something you want. We've got mentors on call now, basically that will address questions or pressing issues that come in. We used to just run live sessions, but we felt like there was more of an ongoing need. So if you've got a question that you want addressed and you can't find it in previous office hours that we've run, because we archive everything, you can run and do a search through there for particular keywords that you're looking for. But it just provides somebody with an opportunity for a channel where they can ask a question without feeling like, hey, maybe I'm being put on the spot, or maybe this isn't a question that I would feel comfortable asking my boss at work about or a peer. And so I think, as many channels as we can provide for mentoring and advice, I think the better off the women in our community are.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. I love this program. It's newer on the list, Wire in Color. So who started that? How did it come about? And what is it doing currently?
2: We started Wire in Color around that time that there was a lot of activity, at least here in the U.S. around the Black Lives Matter movement. And just realizing that Women of color in this industry have a lot of challenges that are unique to being women of color that I, as a white woman, am never going to experience, most likely. And so I think providing a place where women of color can connect with other women and that there's mentorship and career opportunities that we're providing programming that's specific to them and also run by women of color is really important to us. So Marion Elliott, Elliot, very... Finally got talked into running that program for the first couple of years. I tracked down Marianne at a wire event and I was like, here's the way you have this idea. But obviously like I can't run it because I'm not a woman of color. And Marianne's run the program the last couple of years. And then Shazia Ganai, who I think is the head of growth right now at Catalyx in the UK. She's now on the board and has picked up where Marianne left off. And we just ran an event a few months ago in New York and that program continues to grow.
0: I yeah. love it. I love it. Okay. I'm going to end with my favorite program going on. <laughs> hey, it's my show. I can decide that. I think it's uh, a fan favorite. Yeah. Okay. I love Wire Exec. Now, this is where we actually sponsor. We pay to be involved in support programming, but Wire Exec, I just absolutely love it. So let's talk a little bit about that. And we have to say we're coming off of a high of our recent US retreat and oh my gosh, what an actual break from my CEO life that was. It was so amazing. Kristen, thank you. I know there's so many amazing people that put that together. Being yeah. on that committee, specifically Michelle Andre, I'll just give her another shout out because the ridiculous attention to detail to make something like that happen so that that many CEOs can truly check out of work and check into this real rejuvenation process is no small feat.
2: Yeah, so Wire Exec is our executive forum. You either need to be in the C-suite or a founder on the agency side, or you need to be a director level and hire on that client side. And it's meant to be a forum where the most senior level women in this industry can really come together and have a network. They have the old boys club, like we've got the old gals club now. Love um, it. <laughs> where we can really create community around having a shared experience as a woman in an executive position, which is very unique and different than it is for men. I mean, the challenges that we have are, they're just different, plain and simple. So that started out just, just sort of as a networking group or forums kind of separate from our regular community. But then, of course, we started running these events. So Heidi Dickert, who ran a lot of the sessions for many years, kind of her brainchild put together an executive forum. And I was like, this is a great idea. This will be fun. We hosted our first one, what, seven years ago now in Tiburon, which was our kind of our test run. I think we had 15 people with the first one, 15 women. And we had some good laughs. We had some super interesting speakers. Some great stories that came out of that. <laughs> and yeah, now we're on our seventh year. And we run two different retreats a year now. So these are, to your point, Priscilla, these are multi-day Events that we host in the U.S. We run one a year, and then we run one a year in Europe. So, like last year, we were at this gorgeous, like French chateau castle outside of Paris. This year, we're also at a castle in the U.K. So, you missed the exec event that we just had a few weeks ago in Tabernash, Colorado, which was at an amazing ranch up in the mountains. There's also a chance if you're a woman looking for executive group to collaborate with. Like there, we've got another one in the UK coming up and gosh, I think it's the first week of October.
0: And um, I was just talking with Babita Earl from yeah. and then Emma Cooper from system one, but uh-huh. they both are working hard on it. And it's just so fun to hear what they have planned. And yeah. some people can make it to the U S some people can make it to the UK one, but yeah, we don't have castles that we can have it in on this side. So that kind of stinks. that, place, that in, place in Colorado was amazing, completely yeah. off the hook.
2: Yeah, well, there's so much planning that goes into those. Shout out to Michelle Andre, who's actually more retentive than I am in terms of perfection for those events, but also to Jessica, who managed all the marketing, a lot of logistics for that event, which is you know, a small thing when you're hosting 60 women. But Fiona Blades and Bryn Moore were really critical to the planning at the US event. And having those speakers and having those experiences, I think, is really important. allows you to kind of step back from your day-to-day, to your point, Priscilla, and like really focus on not just how do you cultivate a more productive and pleasurable work life, but how do you also optimize your personal life? And I think it's rare to have a conference in this sector where we don't really talk about research, but it's all about the business of running a business. And then like, how are you managing your personal life and all the things that come with it? And I think that the other part of WireExec that I really love is the C-Track that we support at those events. And we've had a number of women. So C-Track basically is for women that aren't C-level, but want to have that experience and are trying to move into the C-suite. And so they fill out an application we decide as a team, if we feel like they're a good fit for the event. And then we really spend a lot of time mentoring and trying to get those women into C-suite positions as quickly as possible. And we've got some great examples of women in our industry that have really benefited from that. And we're proud of, of the progress that we continue to make there.
0: I love it. Just, it is the whole point of advancing them, but they do have to see it and they need to see it up close and personal in order to understand how they can make that shift. But I have to say one thing that's really wonderful before you have a pressing issue in your office and you're like, oh, I don't know where to start with this. Go check out Women in Research because there's so many resources there. They have an anti-oppression resource guide. They have additional wire-sponsored research, which is really interesting. Once a year, Kristen gives us a kind of a state of the union on the research that we do on women in the industry. There's sexual harassment and assault resources, just all to say, go check it out. There's also a job board. If you're looking around, we talked at the very beginning of this conversation about current layoffs. So if you want to employ women in research, this is a great place to find them. Also, there is also, a wire shop because there's some pretty cool swag. <laughs> but before I move on to something else, I do want to just give yeah, I would be really remiss if I didn't talk about the actual donors. So, Verizon is one of the visionary donors, and I'm going to actually call out all the supporting donors right now. They're Scent, Dynata, Fieldwork, Forsta, InnovateMR, Insights Now, Cantar, LinkedIn, Material offer wise, protege, pure spectrum and Taluna, and they deserve our thanks. So if you are looking for a good deed for the day, <laughs> go out to a social media and just give one of these companies a thank you for supporting women in research, because that's what's keeping all of this programming going so that more people can join the community. It's pretty amazing.
2: For sure. We would be nowhere if we did not have our corporate donors. So we are extremely thankful for them. And like I said, we've been very fortunate that many of those donors have been donors for years and continue to offer their support. And I think part of that is because we have proven that our programs make a measurable change. To your point, we've been very fortunate to partner with Material on a study that's evolved and run it every five years to see, like, are we making progress? Are we moving the needle on women in the workplace? And unfortunately, the pandemic was a pretty significant setback a lot of the work that we've done. I mean, a lot of women had to leave the industry entirely or chose to step out for a variety of different reasons, mostly related to family care. But I do think that overall, I'm really proud of the progress that we've made and that we continue to make in this sector.
0: I love it. Okay. If you possibly can, please sponsor under womeninresearch.org. Of course, sign up. <laughs> number one. Number two, look at the ways that you can support it. There was a really cool one that just came up to me, Kristen. I had no idea about it, but it came on social the other day and I activated it. It was an option to donate United Miles. And I was like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I was able to click in there. I was actually on a plane at the time and I was like, what? I can donate some United Miles. And so there's just a push going on right now. You go in and you—I mean, it was literally seconds. I went in, clicked, said yes. I'm going to be willing to donate this number of miles. It gave me a confirmation, and then this is going to some of the scholarships and supporting some other women who don't have access. Kristen and I jet set around doing a lot of things in the we industry. Got lots of miles, yeah, lots of miles, maybe too many miles, but we do have that amazing privilege, and that's such a cool way to donate. So don't just think, hey, the only way to donate is to go out here and give the cash. Although we'll take the cash, right? Right. right? (laughs) Definitely need that for the programming, but there are a lot of cool ways. And so please don't count yourself out. If you think, oh, that's not a big enough number. That's not a a large enough donation. When we look at the global sponsorships and the education for people in some of these emerging markets, it's not a lot of money that's needed to really give a woman somewhere else a leg up. For sure. I love it.
2: We're very efficient with our funds.
0: I like it. (laughs) Okay, womeninresearch.org, Kristen Luck, thank you so much for joining us. And also I am saying this most sincerely. Thank you for your tireless efforts to promote women. It has made a big difference in my career, in my life. And I know some of us girlfriends sit around and drink a glass of wine. Okay, it's two glasses of wine, maybe it's three, and toast you and cry a little bit because you have meant a lot to us, but you're just always so open and willing to give your time, your expertise without any judgment and without expecting anything in return. And I know that I speak for everybody involved in women in research when I say that we really appreciate everything you do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's a labor of love. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, come join the labor of love with us. We'd love to see you at the next wire event and be careful. I'm telling you, even though they don't cost to come to the events, they quote unquote sell out because there are limits to how many people can be in these rooms. So I'm warning you now (laughs) get your planning act together because you don't want to be left out. But from all of the peeps here at little bird marketing, have a great day and happy marketing.